Hello and welcome to Finance, Energy and Beyond, brought to you by Stanbrook Consulting, a specialist recruitment consultancy for the finance and energy markets. I'm your host Jack Hopper and in this episode I'm joined by Chelsea Griggs, Head of Sustainability at Clearbank. Chelsea is a sustainability and B Corp expert and she takes us through her journey from a travel agent all the way to the head of sustainability. I hope you enjoy. Chelsea, welcome. Hi, thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, Let's start. Who are you and what do you do for a living? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So my name is Chelsea Griggs, uh, currently Head of Sustainability at Clearbank, um, but I've spent the past 10 years in financial services in all sorts of roles, um, but really I've spent the past kind of seven-ish years of my career uh, committed to sustainability um, and that concept of using business as a force for good. Really interesting. I think uh, so sustainability is a word that we're hearing much more often now. Uh, but can you just explain to me a little bit like what is your role and mm-hmm. what are the sort of things you're trying to do uh, within within Clearbank in terms of like sustainability? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I mean, in a nutshell, really what I'm doing is supporting organizations to redefine success. Um, and you know, we've spent the past however many years defining success as profit. Um, and that's got us to a point, but we're now on a burning platform both theoretically and non-theoretically and we need to start redefining what success looks like and so really I support businesses in thinking differently about what good looks like um, and help them to do the difficult right thing because it's all too easy to do the wrong thing we've been doing the wrong thing for a long time now as a as a world Um, and so using successful business as a force for good using it as a catalyst for change and essentially building purposeful profits thriving communities and happier healthier workforces that kind of level us up to that next level of business really driving the change that we need to see in the world it's really interesting and 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 my understanding is that you haven't always had a career in sustainability from my knowledge only from linkedin so correct me if i'm wrong but <laughs> you used to be a travel agent right i did yes talk us through the, the journey like, how has it been <laughs> from from like they say the start of your your working career to now what's your journey been like yeah I mean without aging myself too much uh, a long time ago I was a travel agent Um, I was fresh out of school Um, I was a little bit disillusioned with the education system in complete transparency Um, and my journey up until that point was university was the only option and if I didn't go to uni my life was over Um, and I remember sitting down in Pizza Hut with my mum crying and her saying it's fine we'll do something else we'll figure something out Um, and I applied for an apprenticeship at Thomas Cook Travel Agents um, and got the job and started my career in travel kind of by accident um and I loved it you know I loved every minute of my time there um I was a junior apprentice in the store um and did a little bit of foreign exchange a little bit of of kind of travel but really I think what I found from my time as a travel agent is that my passion was people Mm. and you know hearing my customers come back and saying we had the best time or you helped us to to make this happen was really 
kind of validating for me and something that I got a lot of energy from. Um, and I built relationships with customers that would come in and just say hi, even if they weren't wanting to book a holiday. And, you know, that was the part of my job that I loved was that kind of making dreams happen and that connecting with people piece. And, you know, the world of travel was dying. I kind of saw that happening and things were moving online and you would spend weeks planning around the world trip for somebody and then they'd then go and book it online and you wouldn't mm. get the booking. And it just wasn't, it was turning into something that I didn't love anymore. And so I took the decision to just go and do something else. And luckily I was at that point in my career where I hadn't put too much time, energy and effort into things where I felt like starting afresh was a awful idea. Um, mm. And I found my way to Simply Business, um, mm. which is where I stayed for nine years, nine amazing years, starting out on the phone, selling insurance. So taking some of that sales and customer service experience from being a travel agent, um, spent some time selling insurance. Um, I will always be the first to hold my hand up and say I was not the best saleswoman in the world. Mm. Uh, my manager used to give me a bonus for trying. Uh, I won't tell his name in case he gets told <laughs> off for that, but he would give me a trying bonus because he knew I was trying my hardest but I've never been a saleswoman um but that customer piece you know connecting with the customer and supporting them I still really loved and so after a fairly short amount of time actually I moved into quality assurance and then learning and development and I think when I got to learning and development that was the start of my career for me and that was where I really found right here's where I can make a difference mm. and start of that kind of creating something better theme that comes through my career now is taking people and helping them to realize their full potential and supporting them to grow and that's really what I do now with businesses um, and I was grateful that Simply Business were really open to supporting me and helping me to channel my passions and so when they wanted to become a B Corp they said do you want to give it a go and I said I don't know what that means uh, but what sure. What does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> so it's really interesting you've mentioned that because I've done a little bit of research myself and I, I did see that Simply Business uh, quite a few years ago um, turned into a B Corp. A B Corp, um, again, I'm seeing quite a lot of uh, companies transition to try to be a B Corp. Um, yeah. What does that mean? And I suppose it has some sort of link to sustainability as well. Yeah, so I like to call B Corp the scout badge for businesses. Um, and it's it's an accreditation that really looks at a huge holistic view of your business and calculates and kind of I guess assesses how for good your business is in all different areas from your corporate governance through to the way that you treat your employees how you kind of support and protect your customers um, and environmental has a big impact on it as well um, but really the B Corp movement was born out of uh, wanting to redefine business and wanting to redefine how business operates um, and they operate on this two key kind of I guess um, theories one being a bottom line which is that we no longer think about the bottom line purely as profit but we add people and planet into that equation and so whenever we make a decision we think about the impacts that it has um, not just the money that it will make us or lose us or whatever that may be and the other is taking uh, business as a concept from shareholder value to stakeholder value and thinking about how can we create value for real people not just a few people at the top of that chain um, and they're kind of the two core concepts that that it was born out of um, but it was really just the dream of of three guys um, who was privileged enough to meet many years ago um, who built a 
company that they were super proud of that they felt was really different um it's actually the basketball company and one um i'm not really cool enough to know much about basketball um and kind of what that all does but i think they sold basketball sneakers shoes trainers showing my uncoolness here um but they made this business that supported the local community there's a lot of gang crime around the head office and they really spent time to work with the community and they just built this really conscious business and essentially they made their money they got a bit older and they sold it and within a few months of selling everything good had been stripped out and it was back to that corporate money making machine and it broke their heart and they said you know we could go on we could build another and one but what's to stop it happening again and what about if this wasn't you know abnormal what about if this is how all businesses run what about if every business operated in the good ways that and one operated and that's how they kind of birthed the b corp movement and that's really what it looks to do is to redefine the way that business looks um and use it as that vehicle of of social change and, and social good and it's more i think it's more prominent because um these social issues uh are in the news more frequently now. I've I've seen a lot of businesses transition to try to be a B Corp. From my understanding, it's not as like a really easy task, right? Um, there's quite a lot of um, parameters that you need to meet to in order to get that status. So when a company is certified as a B Corp, it's a really uh, big achievement. Yeah, it's a high accolade. You need 80 points to become a B Corp. And it's a positively scored system where each point, each question is between 0.1 to around three points. There are some that are worth slightly more, some worth slightly less, but that's a lot of good you've got to be doing to get to that 80 point threshold. And there are B Corps that have got like scores of 150 points. It's it's incredible, you know, the amount mm-hmm. of good they do. But I think the other benefit and the other kind of real value of the B Corp system is that it's an ever-changing questionnaire. Uh, it's tailored to the business size, it's tailored to the business industry but when you fill it out in the first time when you come to recertify three years later those questions will have changed as what's for good for the world changes and so as we learn more for instance around carbon footprint reporting you may find that the environment's uh, area of the assessment has changed the next time you come around and so you can't be good and rest on your laurels you know you've got to keep moving forward you've got to keep doing better Um, and that's where I think the real value of of the Beacon accreditation comes from. Really interesting. Um, thanks, because I've learned something today. Really appreciate you sharing <laughs> that. So, in your time at uh, Simply Simply Business, Simply Business, you was yeah. um, you was working in learning and development. How did then your how did your your role turn into sort of moving towards that sustainability piece? Yeah, so basically I was in learning and development. I was training our contact centre. Um, some of the best years of my career. Um, I absolutely loved my role, um, and. Simply Business decided that they wanted to become a B Corp. They'd won best companies to work for in the Times Top 100 a few years running um, Um, and were super proud of that accolade, but have kind of said, that tells us how good we are for our people. But what about everything else? You know, how good are we for the planet? How good are we for the communities that we serve? And so they found the B Corp movement and decided they wanted to become an early adopter. At this point, there was very few B Corps in the UK um, and a role went out for B Corp project manager. Uh, And I'll tell you the honest story. I left work early one day to nip to Aldi uh, on the way home and my boss rang me and I thought, she knows I'm at Aldi. She knows that I left 30 minutes early and she wants to know where I am. Uh, And of course, that wasn't why she rang me at all. She'd (laughs) said, you know, have you seen this role I think it'd be interesting for you and I said 
I don't really know what that means. Um, but if you think I could be good at it, then sure, I'll apply. Um, and I did some research on B Corp. Um, I had some project management kind of experience under my belt from my L&D days. Um, and yeah, I took on the, the management of B Corp. Um, generally, it takes businesses about two years to become a B Corp from filling out the assessment to getting it yeah. done. But we had a super ambitious uh, CEO at the time called Jason, um, who is a huge influencer in my career. And he said to me, well, we, we want to get this done before we go on our company trip uh, to Berlin. And that was three months away. Um, <laughs> and I said, OK, but I don't think it works like that. Uh, and he was like, well, look, go away, see what you can do. No pressure. But if you can get it done by Berlin, great. Um, and I did. I spent wow. tireless days and tireless nights and it was absolute <laughs> testament to the business that, you know, I spent the next three months going and asking questions, all of these annoying questions to people across the business about why do we do this and how do we do that? And can you give me some data for this? And not a single person said to me, go away, Chelsea, which they were probably well within their rights to do. Everyone was super supportive. Everyone was ready. Everyone got it. You know, I never had to justify this to anybody. Absolute testament to Simply Business Culture. Um, and we did it. The night before we flew to Berlin, they expedited our accreditation. I think I was on the phone to the US at like 2 a.m. getting it over the line. Um, and we stood up in Berlin. Uh, stood up on this wasn't a stage it was like a bench it was very rickety I didn't feel completely secure um, and it was also very strange because it was so small I was standing stood in front of Jason it was kind of like he was my dad stood behind me it was a bit <laughs> odd um, and we said everybody we're a B Corp and everyone went what does that mean because we'd spent three months doing the work and we'd kind of forgotten to tell everybody what this meant and why it was important and also it's very difficult to convince somebody that something's very challenging if it took you three months. Yeah. Um, and so we almost had to backdate all of this comms and all of this explanation. Mm -hmm. And of course, in the end, everyone got it. But it was a bit of a surreal moment when we were so excited and so engaged. Um, and everyone was like, I don't really understand what you're talking about right now. Wow. So some learnings there for sure about yeah, yeah. how not to do it. But we did it and we got it done. Um, and they recertified three years later um, and are absolutely, you know, as much as I'm not with them anymore, um, are still a business that I keep a very close eye on and very close to my heart and a, a big part of that career journey. Wow. What in three months? It was a lot. What it was definitely a lot. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing. Not many. I don't think uh, not many people can say that they've actually they've actually taken a company from the start of an application all the way through. And I'm, I'm sure you learned so much about um, the business as much as the, what the process is as well when you went through that. So you've got that experience now in simply business. And is that where you've then catapulted into other companies and, and really sort of spearheaded that uh, sustainability approach? Yeah, I mean, once we were a certified B Corp, we kind of said, well, look, now we've got this, you kind of need someone to maintain it. You know, we can't just get this and then play cool, we'll come back to it in three years time. Um, and so kind of carved myself a rollout um, of what was called social impact. Um, and our fabulous uh, chief legal officer at the time um, took on the kind of exec sponsorship of it. Um, and together we built a social impact strategy from the ground up based on our learnings from B Corp, where we knew our strengths were, what we wanted to protect, where we knew that we had some work to do, how we pushed that forward. Um, and I went on then to spend my time um, up until I went away on maternity leave, kind of looking after all things social impact, nurturing our charity partnership, 
ship, um, kind of really getting involved, starting the startups of a carbon footprint because that was still quite new at the time mm-hmm. for a business of, of simply business size and, and age. Um, so yeah, that was really the start of that journey. And then I got pregnant um, unexpectedly. Um, nice. And you know, my career was something that was always super important to me. It was something that I really felt that I'd built for myself and I was super proud of. And at this point, I was early 20s and I really felt like I was flying. And then I was about to have six months. Well, I was about to have nine months off. And it terrified me because I really felt like this could have been the the kind of stop of my career. You know, I'm, I'm at my peak here. I'm really yeah. going places. And now I've got to stop. And that's probably not an explanation you hear a lot from someone who is pregnant. You know, I felt like I was really alone in those words because I was super happy to be having a baby. But I always joked with my team, I feel like I'm leaving one baby to have another. You know, I feel like I'm leaving this work that I nurtured to go away. And when I come back again, I don't know if it's going to look the same. Um, And so that was quite a scary time for me. And actually, um, my now husband partner at the time agreed to take shared parental leave. Again, that was fairly new at the time. Um, and we agreed that I'd take six months and he'd take the three. Um, again, one of the best decisions we ever made. Um, we now don't have a default parent in the household. You know, I know he can do it all on his own because he did it for three months. Who knows I can do it on my own. Um, so, yeah, I went away, came back and I had a fantastic maternity cover who we decided to keep on, um, which, again, is a is a challenging part of your career because, I came back and was really thrilled to know that everything had been, you know, carrying on and doing well and, and you know, flying, going strength to strength for the amazing work that my maternity cover, lovely Emma, had done. But also there was a part of me that came back and wanted everyone to be like, oh, we've missed you so much. Oh, my God, we, we couldn't cope while you weren't here. And, you know, there was yeah. a big part of me that was like, can you all pretend that you couldn't live without me, please? Because I've just gone into something really hard and I want you all to love me. Uh, <laughs> so that was another kind of big challenge for me. Mm. Um, and actually, because Emma was doing such great things in social impact, I sidestepped into cultural engagement um, and spent a few years doing something a bit different, which taught me a lot about engagement and purpose and behavioural science um, that kind of added another string to my sustainability bow. And now I kind of have this dual perspective on sustainability of that kind of very core social impact ESG side of things, but mm. also this people team engagement side of things and thinking about how we encourage people to change their behaviours for long term ESG change. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. It was challenging, but it was absolutely the best thing. And you got a beautiful baby out of it as well, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, she looks just like her dad, uh, which oh. is a bit, it's a bit annoying when you spend all that time carrying a baby, all that sickness, and they come out looking like their dad. Um, but yes, she is amazing. Uh, I love her to bits. And, you know, it's a big part of my identity to be a yeah. working mum. I work full time. I don't, you know, I don't work any reduced hours. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was really important to me that A, I didn't feel like I had to give up my career because I was now a mother and B, also that I try and be that positive role model for her to know that she never has to choose. You know, there isn't an option between being a mum and following your career. You can do both and you can do them really well. Um, So, yeah, here I am. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I mean, on a personal note, I would also advocate for shared parental leave. I was, Mm -hmm. I've done shared parental leave myself. Um, I, I got a bit a bit unlucky though because um, my partner done six months and then a, a month into 
into my parental leave, I ruptured my Achilles and uh, and I couldn't walk for three months. So I couldn't hold the baby for three months because I was on crutches. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a really great story. <laughs> that is, but I yeah, I can't imagine how recommend uh, if there's any anyone um who's thinking about per- shared parental leave it's a it's a really nice way of doing it i think especially in a we're in the 21st century now right so things are things are different and inequality is so so important so um yeah i'm an advocate for it as well as you chelsea yeah. so so you went so you, you finished your time at simply business and then yeah. you this is where you, you you moved into the the financial sector right and yeah. and you've sort of been um you've not been too long in clearbank how, how are you finding it so far have you has it been much different to your work when you was at simply simply business so i think culturally clearbank and simply business are really similar um and i think again somebody who authenticity is really important to i definitely gravitate towards cultures that are open and progressive and you know that really kind of rich diverse culture is super mm. important to me and something that i really look for um and yeah i'm, I'm still very new at clearbank but i i said earlier actually to a colleague i feel like i've been here forever and no time at all both in the best ways um you know absolutely amazing place to be great people and absolutely heading in in the right direction um but yeah I mean I spent nine years at Simply Business it's a long time to spend anywhere and it was kind of bittersweet to leave but I felt like I'd put a lot of depth into my career and it was time to get some breadth um and you know I decided that it was time to go and see what else was out there um and i'd said many many years ago to a career coach that my kind of end aim was to set up my own consultancy um and i i took the push um and set up my own kind of limited company um so i have my own limited company ethical edge consulting um and the contract with with clearbank came up and so that's kind of my first foray into the world of of consulting um but yeah not not looking back it's great yeah it, how did you find i mean because some, some of our listeners may be in a similar situation where they've worked in a company for uh, a quite a long period of time and stepping outside of your comfort zone going and doing something completely new can be scary right so how did you find that so you've been somewhere for nine years correct me if i'm wrong and yeah. uh, and you've had to make that step uh, is it something that you 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 would recommend and, and yeah how did you feel it's terrifying you know is the headline and that's probably not what most people want to hear but it is terrifying you know it's terrifying to step away from a dependable month-on-month income and to step away for something that you know and for me something that was home for a very long time but there comes a point, I think, where you have to trust in yourself, you have to trust in your own ability, and you have to trust that you have value to give to the world and that the right things will find you. Um, and that's really easy to say in hindsight. You know, I, I'm i someone who struggles with mental health and very open about that. There's definitely been times over the past few months before starting this contract to clear about where I've thought, what did I do? I have literally thrown myself into hell here. You know, this is terrible. What have I done? Mm. But ultimately, I've come out on the other end, trusting in myself, trusting in my ability and and better and, and stronger for it. So I yeah. think something that I've definitely learned along the way and it's come up frequently in my career is that you can't always step up 
And sometimes to go up, you need to go across, you need to go down. You know, you can't always be linear. Um, and that's really scary. And a lot of us think about kind of careers as a ladder yeah. and about progressing and going up. But sometimes the best thing you can do is step to the side and do cultural engagement for a year. Sometimes the best thing you can do is to step down and say, I don't know what's at the bottom, but I'm going to find out and I'm going to use that to get back up to the top again. Um, and I think that's you just have to take that chance sometimes because if you stay the same, you're never going to know and you're always going to have that question and there could be something amazing on the other side. You just have to go for it. Absolutely. I, I agree with everything you said there. And uh, One thing I've always said as well, like uh, there's sometimes an expectation that you always have to grow and reach the next role. And sometimes people are just happy doing what they're doing and those individuals do it really, really well. Uh, an example that I've got is I, I worked really closely with executive assistants in my old company who had been in the role for 40 years. They are gold dust. They are the mm -hmm. individuals that know the business inside and out. They haven't got ambitions to do anything else because they enjoy what they're doing and, and they do it really well. And those individuals are needed in companies for them to, to function, right? Um, yeah. But if you are making that jump, yes, it is terrifying. But other things can come of it right yeah absolutely and i think you know finding something that gives you energy that gives you purpose that gives you direction is absolutely fine and at the end of the day you know other people's opinions don't pay your bills if you're mm -hmm. happy if you're comfortable if you feel fulfilled and also open to the fact that fulfillment doesn't only have to come from your role you can find fulfillment in other places you know if you feel a little bit stuck but you don't want to move roles join a diversity network, you know, join a charitable giving network, yeah. join a local running group, you know, I'm writing a book in my spare time, write a book, do something else that enriches your life. If you're super happy in your career, you don't have to keep pushing forward. There is no, the only bar there is, is the one you set yourself, you know, yeah. if you're happy, if you're comfortable, if you're thriving, don't worry about up because it's, it's not a destination at the end of the day your happiness is the end point and as long as you have that today then i don't think it matters where you are absolutely i think that the, the goal here is, is is happiness right um look let's be honest i don't think anyone can say that you're going to be happy every single moment of the day um i've recently been on a mental health first aid of course uh, something we're really passionate about here at stanbrook um it's really important just to be aware of your mental health look everyone has mental health at times you'll have poor mental health. At times you'll be really, really happy. Um, and you need to be okay with that and just understand sort of how you how you manage that. Uh, something that, yeah, I'm really vigilant of with our staff members and I'm sure you are uh, within your role uh, as head of sustainability as well, Chelsea. Yeah, and when I came back from maternity leave, I struggled with postnatal depression that, that lingered on. Um, and I probably owe my life and career to an amazing friend who was also a mental health first aider um, called Anna, uh, who was just amazing. And I think I probably cried to Anna every day for about two weeks. Um, I took up every mental health first aider slot she had for ages, <laughs> but she was critical in helping me and listening and rationalising kind of what I was going through. Um, and I was getting, you know, professional career coaching on the side and, and some mental health support on the side. But having that support 
in the office and knowing that she was there if I needed her um, was a really big part of of me feeling comfortable and, and kind of getting back into swing things. And I think mental health first aid sometimes gets a bit of a bad rap because people say, well, they don't they don't do anything. They can't they're not trained professionals. They can't help you. But sometimes you just need someone to listen. You just need to say it out loud. You just need to cry in a meeting room, in my case. (laughs) And then you get past it. You just need to let it out and carry on. And I think coming from, especially from maternity leave, where I was in my own safe space every day, to then coming into a place that I hadn't been for six months, with people that I hadn't seen for six months, with emotions that were still all over the place, sometimes Mm. just having a space to let that out was really important. Um, So yeah, I'm a big advocate of mental health first aid. I think it's amazing. Absolutely. You you hit the nail on the head. First aiders aren't counsellors. They're not qualified individuals. And anyone can anyone can do it it's just about active listening that's all you've got to do don't over talk someone just sit there and genuinely care and just listen sometimes people just want to get things off their chest right um look thank you for being so honest and and open and and sharing some of that One, one thing i wanted to dig into was about sustainability as an industry and 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 what advice would you give to anyone that's actually looking to get involved in that industry yeah, I think it's a great question. And, you know, especially in the banking sector, there was some um there was a study by Greenpeace and the WWF done last year that said that if the UK's biggest banks and investors were a country, they'd rank ninth in the world for their carbon emissions. Um, so banking has a big responsibility in turning the tide and in making a difference. Um, and I think often it's not seen as a natural place for ESG and sustainability, um, but it's a big sector with big potential um, mm. that, that needs that change. And I think you know, my role covers all aspects of ES and G. Um, not every role does. So you can get very specific environmental roles. You can get very specific people-based roles. Um, but I think the, past, the, the the kind of advice that I give to anybody thinking about getting into this space is, number one, find your why. You know, what is the reason that you want to do this? Because the bottom line is, is that you're not always going to win. You're not always going to make that change happen overnight. And so having that strong sense of purpose, justice, passion, whatever it is, is what's going to get you out of bed in the morning. And if your why is protecting the planet, fab. If your why is speaking up for, you know, underprivileged communities, then great. If it's making loads of money for a charity, amazing. It doesn't really matter what it is. But sometimes on those days where you feel like you've not made progress and there will absolutely be those days, remembering why you're doing it is super important. Um, I'm not going to get us 10 at zero in the next week. Um, that's not <laughs> something I can tell my boss I've done. Three but months, knowing, you can do it in three months. Can't three, you? I could do anything in three months, apparently. <laughs> um, but knowing that you're on the right track, knowing that you've got that journey and being really comfortable with the uncomfortable is is a really important part, I think, of, of working in sustainability. And did you have to do any special qualifications or anything like this to get into sustainability? So I think there's lots of pathways into sustainability. Um, I don't hold any formal sustainability qualifications. Um, A lot of people in the industry will have environmental science degrees. Um, Some will have DEI-based qualifications. Um, My is all kind of on-the-job experience, which I'm privileged enough to have been able to to gather. Um, I am also a trained bee leader, um, which means that uh, I did some training with B Corp to consult businesses through the B Corp process. Um, So that's something that I do have, but it's not kind 
kind of an official qualification. Um, mm. I do have some qualifications. I've got a level seven CIPD and employee engagement, um, which again, I studied with a six month old. I'm not sure I'd recommend that either. Apparently I make terrible time-based decisions. Um, but yeah, I've, I've kind of got a degree under my belt, but it's not in, in the area that I'm in. And again, I'm a bit advocate in non-linear careers. You know, you don't have to leave university, do environmental science and go and be a head of sustainability. That's, that's not how it works for most people. Yes. Most people stumble into this by accident along the way is what I found. Um, and most businesses are quite happy to support you in development if you want to, um, if you're passionate. And one thing I've always said throughout my whole career is that you can teach skills, you can learn experience, you can even teach confidence, but you can't teach passion. And if you've got that, then that's your superpower and you use that and you learn the rest on the way. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Thank you for sharing, Chelsea. So, look, we've got a bit of a, a closing tradition on this podcast. I'd like you to name someone within your network who's really inspired you and, and tell us why. So I've had a thought about this because, you know, for the the listeners, um, Jack pre-sent me these answers. So this isn't off the top of my head. Um, yeah. But I did have a think about this and I'm going to break the rule slightly because I can't I can't name just one. There are three super influential women in my network that I just would not be here today without. Um, the first, a fabulous personal friend, but a, a great person who I speak to regularly about all issues people and DEI um, is my wonderful friend Lou Rose who is people operations manager at Arsenal um, she is someone that I voice note daily asking questions about all things inclusion uh, people and so she is just an amazing supporter and cheerleader along the way and then two fantastic female managers who I've had along my journey, one being Joanna Carlin, um, who is now Executive Director of Talent at MUFG, um, and the other being Kelly O'Neill, who is a wonderful people, wellbeing and L&D consultant. And both are just fantastic women who are authentic and empowering and open and really believed in me in times when I didn't necessarily believe in myself. So they're all fantastic people. Please go and check them out on LinkedIn. Give them a like. If you need any well-being or people-based work, Kelly O'Neill is your woman. Um, they, yeah, they're all amazing. I just wouldn't be here today without them. Brilliant. Having those mentors is so important, right? Um, so yeah, thank you to all three of them. And I don't mind you breaking the rules at all. Absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the end, Chelsea. I'd just like to say a massive thank you for your time, and uh, we'll speak soon. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Thank you.